BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. I made this like promise to myself that night when I went to bed and I was like, okay, from this day forward, you are going to just go hardcore and you are going to try your hardest to get quote unquote skinny. Right. And you are going to try the hardest, like no cheat days, no days off. Like you are just going to go full send and see if you can achieve this body type that everyone in your high school has that you hang out with. Hey everybody, and welcome to RealPod. I'm Victoria Garrick, former D1 athlete and mental health and body image advocate. Every Wednesday, I'll be bringing you awesome guests, weekly inspiration, and the realest conversations around everything and anything. Now let's get real. Hello and welcome back to RealPod. Thanks for tuning in today. I am so excited for today's guest. I know I say that every single week, like you guys are probably thinking, okay, she says that about everyone, but Honestly, I'm always getting people that make me excited. I am always excited. And thirdly, yes, I truly am so excited and thrilled to be hosting the one and only Brittany Lancaster. First, if you're not on TikTok, please get on TikTok. It's so funny. It's hilarious. It's a good time killer. And um, I just highly recommend you try it out. But if you're on TikTok and you are anywhere near the body positivity, body image movement, you will know of Brittany Lancaster. She is one of the most popular TikTok creators right now who makes videos and content that uplift others, encourage body positivity. She keeps it so real. Talk about real pod. I mean, she is so real, so honest, so genuine. She opens up about her past eating disorders on her platform, how she got help, and now how she's in recovery. And she's always sharing videos about what she's eating in the day. And fun fact, you guys, Brittany is an intuitive eater. We love an intuitive eater. I'm snapping in the microphone. I hope you can hear it. And not to mention, she has over 400,000 TikTok followers crazy. So many people are following. And so I am just thrilled to talk to her today all about her story. We're going to learn about where she comes from, her whole relationship and story with food and body image, how she's gotten to where she is today, and so many other great, cool facts along the way. So I'm so excited for you guys to hear this conversation with Brittany. Without further ado, let's dive into this episode. Once again, please help me welcome Brittany Lancaster. We're good to go. Brittany, thank you. How are you? Welcome to RealPod. Thank you for having me. I'm doing great. How are you doing? I'm doing awesome. I'm just so thrilled to be talking to you because from the moment I joined TikTok, I mean, you were the it, it, you still are the it bought positive body image, intuitive eating, self-love page. And it's just so cool to be able to chat with you and hear more about you because we only get so much in like a 60 second TikTok. I'm like, I need to know everything about this girl's life. Thank you. No, I'm so excited to be on your podcast and like, I really appreciate your kind words and everything, but yeah, I'm so excited to talk about different things. And just like you said, TikTok's very unique because it's so hard to tell stories about your life in 60 seconds or less, you know? So I love being on podcasts or things like that when I really get the chance to like go deeper into topics and explain things a little bit more, you know? So yeah, yeah. I know. I agree a hundred percent. Well, I'm excited to dive in. Where are you from? You're from Oregon. Yeah. Yeah. So I am actually initially from South Florida. Okay. I lived in Fort Lauderdale, Florida for 16 years. And then I moved to Portland, um, my junior year of high school and I've lived in Portland, um, ever since then. And I have a lot of extended family in Portland. So, you know, I want to live in Portland later on, like after graduation and everything. And so, yeah, so I consider myself an Oregonian now just because I've been here for, you know, almost like seven years. So 
yeah, so that's kind of where I'm from. But my family lives in Portland, and then I go to school at the University of Oregon, and I'm finishing up my senior year. So right now I'm in Eugene. But congratulations on graduating! That's a big accomplishment. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it definitely definitely graduated a little differently than I thought, but you know we're trying to make the best out of it and. Um, obviously, you know, nobody can predict a global pandemic, so we're pushing through and yeah, just trying to make the best out of it. I feel like you can always think of things like in the best way possible, you know, and it always makes your mindset a little bit better. So exactly, exactly. Well, you still, it doesn't take away the fact that you accomplished four years of school, which is difficult to do and not easy to do. So congratulations to you. Um, I feel like I, love your messaging so well and your content because I can relate to having my own body image struggles um, and my own issues with food. And for me, mine started when I was really young. I would say I was 12 years old when I kind of learned the difference between being skinny or just Mm -hmm. not being or having a compliment about Mm -hmm. my body. When did you first Mm -hmm. start to pick up on this standard of beauty? that we had this pressure to do. Yeah, I mean, I definitely, growing up, I was always kind of the bigger girl, quote unquote, bigger girl in my friend group. And um, a lot of that just had to do with the fact that I wasn't exercising probably enough for my body. And I would come home and just snack and snack and snack all day. Like, um, I never really had regulations of like, oh, like, you know, are you hungry? Are you actually hungry? You know, like, listen to your body. It was kind of just like, you know, it was a free for all because my parents worked so much. So um, it was kind of hard to stop me from, or like to try and begin me like to understand, you know, like listen to your body, things like that. And all of my friends were super, super, you know, fit and um, just a lot like quote unquote smaller than I was. And so I think a lot of the comparison that happened in my like early life was from just my immediate friend group and kind of the people that I was surrounding myself with at school. And obviously it wasn't their fault that their body is naturally made that way. Um, But just because I was surrounded by them, I would compare myself to them a lot. And so I think that's where my, it initially started. But even though I was self-conscious about my body when I was younger, it never stopped me from eating food, if that makes sense. Like I, I never, was so conscious about it where I was like, oh, I'm going to starve myself. That didn't come until high school. Um, but growing up, yeah, I was definitely conscious about my body, but I also loved food. And I was like, I don't care, you know, like, and um, yeah, then high school, that's where all of the restriction and the eating disorders really kicked in. So yeah. I, I totally relate to this comparison in like middle school. I could think of the exact girl who came home from one summer with a little bit of boobs, like a a slimmer stomach, and the guy's talking about her, and then me thinking, well, what does she look like compared to what I look like? And it's wild how young that starts for us. Um, But like you said, fortunately, it didn't totally uh, make you have decisions about how you were eating until high school. What Mm -hmm. sort of led up to that turning point, to taking action on those thoughts? Yeah. Yeah, I, so I was um, a three sport varsity athlete in high school, actually, and I was like a swimmer. Yeah, no, I was like, wow, but I was a swimmer, a water polo player, and then I also played soccer. And so kind of similar to what you, how, what you've talked about, you know, my sports were my entire life, and I didn't really know any identity behind that. And also because I played so many sports and I practiced so hard and so often, I was just naturally very, very muscular. And I almost looked down on myself for that because all of my friends were very slender and not, you know, kind of really muscular. And that's just how I was built from working out so much. Um, And so I think that when I was in high school, even though I was extremely fit, I was still so self-conscious of my body because um, I wasn't what I thought the ideal societal body type was, you know, especially in high school, especially with all my friends. There's a difference between the athletic female body type and then the like Mm -hmm. female body type. So regardless of you feeling Mm -hmm. in shape, and I relate to this so much too as an athlete in high school is, you know, well, I don't have super thin legs compared to these other girls because mine mm-hmm. are so mm-hmm. muscular. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, totally. And I even remember like, um, like my stepdad one time because he knew that I was feeling like self-conscious about my body. And sometimes guys just don't know the right thing to say, especially dads, you know? And, um, my stepdad was like, Brit, like you're so fit. Like your, your legs look like tree trunks. And I was like, I was like, that's not what you say to someone, you know, like, I was just like, and I knew that he meant it totally out of love and just being like, you are so fit, you are so athletic, like, you are so muscular, you should be so proud of the body that you have, and you know, how hard you work, and you know, all those things, but when he said it, I was like, oh my goodness, that was not the right thing to say right now in this moment. Um, Classic with boys, there's always that one thing I think someone says to you about your body, and it really, sticks with you. It really changes you. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And so one night, um, kind of after I had this water polo match and I had played really well, but I still remember the chlorine was horrible in the pool. Like it was very, very powerful. So I had been crying because of the chlorine. And then I was super, super self-conscious of my body that night. I just kind of got in my head about it. And I still remember I made this like promise to myself that night when I went to bed and I was like okay from this day forward you are going to just go hardcore and you are going to try your hardest to get quote-unquote skinny right and you are going to try the hardest like no cheat days no days off like you are just going to go full send and see if you can achieve this body type that everyone in your high school has that you hang out with and um so that's exactly what I did and a lot of that had led to severe calorie restriction and doing doubles with an empty stomach and um, not prioritizing my well-being or my general health, you know, or anything like that. And it did have horrible effects on my body. You know, half of my hair fell out. I uh, was vitamin deficient. I had hormone imbalances. I lost my menstrual cycle for nine months, um, had really bad acne, had zero energy. Um, and it, you know, got sent to the emergency room a couple times. And so it was just crazy, the severity of starving my body, what it did to my body, you know, it was horrible. Um, while this was happening in the early stages, were you keeping this to yourself, this big pact you made? Was this a big secret or was anyone in on this? Yes. Oh, it was totally all me. I was so secretive. I would lie to my friends' faces. You know, I would eat an apple at lunch or I wouldn't eat at lunch. And my friends, you know, because they were good friends, you know, I did have supportive friends. I just compared myself to them a lot, you know, and um, they would be like, Britt, you know, why aren't you eating or why are you eating an apple? Where's the rest of your lunch? You know, and and I would just lie to their face and say, oh, I, I ate in the period before this or oh, you know, I'm, you know, I'm so, I'm so full. I was eating all my snacks throughout, you know, throughout the day and just, you know, lie to their face and say that I had already eaten when I hadn't. And, um, yeah, and I, and I got away with it for a very long time. Nobody really questioned me. Um, like I said, my parents worked a lot, so I was able to get away without eating dinner, you know, like things that, um, I was very, very sneaky about everything. So, What was, you just mentioned the the very severe health side effects and a few hospital visits. Was the first hospital visit something where someone checked you in and like, that's when the first time someone was let in on this? I once had a friend who was struggling and she was in the hospital for some normal checkup and then they figured it out by looking from something else. Mm -hmm, Totally. So basically, the first time that I got sent to the emergency room, I was having severe, severe, uh, like lower to mid back pain. And I thought it was maybe something to do with over exercising, or, you know, because at that time, it was swim season. So I was like, maybe I'm swimming too much, like maybe my body is just being overworked. And I, it got so bad that I went to urgent care. And the doctor was like examining my back. And then he pressed on my like middle, like, I guess my mid, um, mid torso area, like in the front. And I like, went for like I went forward straight forward it was almost like I caved in I don't even know how to explain it but I just 
fell forward type thing and he was like oh that is not normal you need to go to the emergency room and so I went to the emergency room and basically they diagnosed me with um, gastritis gastritis but it was because I had no food in my stomach so basically all the acid in my stomach was kept pushing up you know the acid up my esophagus because there was no food so for that reason the lining in my stomach was uh, deteriorating and um yeah, so I had to go to the emergency room for that. And basically I, I lunged forward when he pushed in because it was so painful, basically. You know, that was what was causing all of that pain and having, you know, no food in my stomach. Um, and it was crazy that having no food in my stomach caused me back pain. Like it is just so crazy how your body works, you know, because I never in a million years thought that that was what it was coming from. Um, but that was what, that was what I was checked in for, for, um, my, during when I went to the emergency room. So. So you said that they diagnosed you for something that wasn't correct, but you knew it was because you, you hadn't been eating. So when was the, the first time that someone picked up on what really, what really the issue was? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So basically the first time that somebody was like, wow, this is kind of odd. You don't really eat. My stepmom was, I was eating lunch and I remember I had like a plain Greek yogurt, you know, one of those plain Greek yogurts and then carrots. And that's all I was eating for lunch. And my stepmom was like, what are you doing? Like, that is not normal. You know, like that is not enough food for uh, a growing teenage girl, let alone someone who works out a lot. And, um, I was like, Oh, it's fine. You know, like I'm, I'm so full based off of this kind of brushed it off. And she was like, no, I really think that maybe you should go see someone and, you know, maybe get some help just because she had noticed that I had been restricting during other things as well. Um, and so I, I agreed to go see a nutritionist, but it was kind of just to please my parents. If that made sense, it was kind of just to get them to, you know, hush up and stop making comments about it. And I would go on with my day and do the exact same things that I was doing, you know, restricting and then binging. And, um, I, it didn't, it didn't stop me, but I just went to kind of please my parents, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense for sure. But when you just mentioned the binging that, so I struggled and suffered from a binge eating disorder and, Mm -hmm. but mine, I guess, with the story, your story, I know you said that you started out as an anorexia and then did the binging develop just because of the restriction? Um, Mm -hmm. and that was something that, so it evolved to that. Yeah. So basically I suffered from anorexia for about a year and a half to two years. And then once I began eating again, then I think that I hadn't eaten in so long that my body just went ballistic, you know, and I would eat everything in sight. And I, um, yeah, I would just eat everything in sight. And I was like an empty pit, you know what I'm saying? Like there was no, there was no cap on how much food I could consume. It's literally everything Um, in the kitchen. It doesn't even have to taste good mm -hmm. together. I want the ice cream, then I want Mm -hmm. eggs, then I want a pickle, then I want a cake. Yep. (laughs) Yep. No, it's so weird. And it's funny because I guess, well, it's not funny, but it's just, it's, it's hard to explain. Like a lot of people who have never suffered from binge eating disorder, it's very hard to, you know, try and understand the process behind it. And literally the fact that someone cannot stop eating, you know, somebody who actually has a healthy relationship with food, that's something, that's something that's really hard to comprehend, you know, that mindset, but it is so true. I I feel like binge eating disorder is not talked enough about, and it's not, given enough light to the fact because it is just such an eating disorder because you literally cannot stop eating. And so, yeah. I love that you mentioned people don't understand. And I agree. I think that from my experience, it was more of like, oh, I do that too. Like I break my diet or I'll have ice cream at night. And it's like, no, it's literally a rampage through the kitchen. You're Mm -hmm. blacked out it's your, there's so much discomfort. And then, and then it's so hard to explain Mm -hmm. to someone because I used to feel like just a a monster. Like, how am I going to explain to someone that I can't control myself around food? Um, so on top of it, there's this notion of shame and disgust that you can't stop eating, right? It's like gluttony, which is like, we've been told is a sin. Totally. Totally. 
yeah so that's yeah, what and I I would even like I remember there was times where I would go to like birthday parties and there would be like cakes and cookies and at the time at the party I would you know come off as oh I'm not going to eat any of that I'm going to be quote unquote good and not eat this and then at three in the morning I would eat 10 servings of it, you know, and it was just this crazy, weird mindset of I didn't like eating in front of people. But then when I was by myself, I would just gorge myself, you know, like it was really, it was really horrible. So what do you think? And I was, I'm excited to ask you this question because this really interests me. What do you think you were trying to satisfy with the binge? Obviously it's you're hungry, but diving deeper, what, what was the need? Because obviously emotional eating comes from this need to, to get something from food that we're craving. And really we learn, Mm -hmm. and you and I both learned food's not the answer to that. But what was it that you think you were seeking through food? Yeah, I, you know, I think, so a big part of my binge eating disorder occurred right when I had moved from Florida to Oregon. So I was joining a brand new high school. I barely had any friends at the time. Um, I moved to this new city that I had been coming to my whole life because my extended family lived there, but I had never physically lived there. And so um, that was really hard, you know, to move the middle of your junior year, because at that point in high school, most of the groups are formed, you know, most of the friend groups are formed. Most people have, you know, their, their lunch crew that they eat lunch with every day. And I was just walking in as this new girl. And so for food, food was like my friend, you know, food was like that comfort blanket to me. Food like made me happy, you know, it made me feel less alone. And so, um, I think that a lot of my binging had to do with the fact that it was really hard to adjust moving across the country at 16 years old, you know? Um, and yeah, so I think a lot of it rooted in that, you know, so. The comfort, I totally agree. I mean, it's like food is going to be my sense of control, my sense of uh, warmth in a weird way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Was the nutritionist someone in Oregon? So once you'd moved, she was at the new school. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and you went to please your parents. What was the first kind of experiences like? Were you open with her? Um, yeah. Yeah. So I definitely was a bit um, kind of restricted at first with her and didn't really answer any questions unless she asked, you know, and, um, kind of just got through the meetings, you know, and did what I had to do, or at least what I thought I had to do to, you know, satisfy my parents and the help that they wanted me to get. And, um, yeah, I, I, but eventually over time, I definitely did, I guess eventually over time, I really, really desired recovery and I really, really wanted it. But at the time in my life, I just didn't have the strength or the, I don't know, just like the gung-ho attitude of like, we're going to do this. You know what I'm saying? I was just like, oh, recovery sounds nice. You know, it sounds nice to be able to have a healthy relationship with food. You know, it sounds nice to not look in the mirror and hate my body every single time I see it. You know, like that sounds like a nice thing to be able to do, but I just didn't think that I was strong enough to do it, even though I totally was. I just, I didn't believe in myself at the time, you know, so it's easy to think, but it won't be me. I'll never be the one that's not thinking about the chips and guacs. Like I'll never be the one that it's very hard when you're, when you're in an eating disorder to envision yourself not being completely held captive by this obsession with food. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So when did you start to take the steps towards exploring recovery? Or did you similarly have that day where you made the pact to recover? Yeah, yeah. So I, you know, when I had my binge eating disorder, I was, even though I was binging and I had a completely different eating disorder than anorexia, I was also extremely unhealthy. I would take diet pills all the time. I would use waist trainers. I would buy flat tummy teas, you know, like I just would, I just did anything that I thought could possibly get me back to the point where I was in anorexia because I just thought that that was happiness. You know, I thought that that was where my joy resided. And in fact, it was not at all, but that's what I thought. And I was really always so ashamed of myself for having binge eating disorder and not being able to 
control, you know, my hunger or my, you know, my eating and things like that. And basically when I graduated high school, my parents, they took me to Europe for the first time for like a graduation trip. And my brother went as well. And, um, we went to Croatia and Slovenia. And, um, I remember the entire trip, I was super, super self-conscious because we went during the summer, so we were constantly in swimsuits. We were, you know, jet skiing, swimming in the Croatian Sea, like just having these incredible opportunities and these amazing memories that I probably should have been so thankful for, yet the entire time I was just so self-conscious of my body, so restrictive, not letting myself have, you know, the gelato or the pizza or whatever these once-in-a-lifetime foods are that you should just, you know, enjoy, you know, and um, on the last day of vacation, I was sitting on this rock in the Croatian Sea, me and my brother were swimming, and I looked out, and I was just mind blown, you know, I was just like, this world is so incredibly beautiful, and I want to explore it in any way that I can, and while I'm exploring it, I never want to feel the way that I've been feeling the past week, you know, like, whenever I go travel, I want to diversify myself in the culture and try all the foods and and not you know be confident in what my swimsuit or like what my body looks like in a swimsuit you know and it kind of just hit me that life is so so much more than critiquing your body every five seconds or belittling yourself for how you were naturally made and yeah that was kind of the moment that it all changed for me to be honest with you and when I got home after I think we, yeah, we flew home the next day and that was when I was like, okay, I'm finally going to take recovery seriously. And since then I've been in recovery for over three and a half years and I have never relapsed. Um, and so I'm very proud of that, but yeah, it was, I think a lot of people, you know, some people do have that, this is the moment, you know, and some people it's over time, but I definitely had that, like, okay, this is a 180 for me. We are going to start our new journey and we're going to be the best you that you can be, you know? So I'm so happy you had that moment. And it just sounds beautiful. Just sitting somewhere, looking out into the world and realizing there is so much more to life than Mm -hmm. obsessing over food in my body every single second Mm -hmm. of the day. When you Mm -hmm. got back from that trip, what were those first recovery steps? Because I'm sure there are people like, I've resonated with everything you've said so far, mm-hmm. but how do I connect the dots to, to be happy and healthy again? Yeah, yeah. So basically how, it was kind of weird timing because when I got back from the trip, I was getting ready to leave for college in two weeks. So I really didn't have the opportunity to you know see a nutritionist in person because i was being sent i was going off to college you know um and so when i got to college something that really really helped me weirdly with binge eating disorder was i was on a meal plan and um you know and you have points so you get a set amount of points for the week you know i'm sure you know about this and um basically it really did help me stop binging because i was like if i binge I'm not going to have any more food for the rest of the week. You know, I'm not going to have any more points. And so it really did make me start to ask myself, you know, am I hungry right now? Or am I just, you know, want to eat to want to eat, you know, or am I just trying to eat out of emotion or something that happened in my day that made my day really bad, you know? And so it really did help me start to listen to my body and intuitively eat. And on top of that, I did have, you know, remote meetings with my nutritionist that I actually started to take seriously, but it was not, it was nothing like in person, if that makes sense, because I was away at college. Um, but yeah, that was, and that was also a really key part of my recovery, I think is a lot of my recovery had to do with me, you know, obviously I did have a nutritionist, but a lot of it was me really working on myself and proving to myself that yes, you are strong enough to recover from this. And yes, you are strong enough to love your body and not belittle it every day and, you know, give it positive affirmations every morning. And so that was a really, really important part of my recovery was just believing in myself, you know? So yeah, so I did have a nutritionist, but I also did really work on my recovery within, within myself. So where did you first learn about intuitive eating? Because it's definitely weirdly enough, it's the natural way and the human way of approaching food yet we have to learn it. So who is the first person that ever told you that and explained it to you? 
Yeah, so one of uh, one of my cousins, actually, she texted me one day, and she was like, she's a nutritionist, actually, my cousin, and she said, Britt, like, I think you would really love this account, because she knew my history with eating disorders and things like that, and um, her Instagram name is I'ma eat that, like, that's what the her Instagram title is, and her name is Kylie, and so I looked on her page, and when I first saw her Instagram, I was like, oh my goodness, there's no way I could achieve this because Kylie is totally, um, she talks about intuitive eating and she, you know, she would eat like a Twix bar for a snack. And to me at the time, that was just like, what? Like, no, you have to have like apples and peanut butter for every snack. You know, you can't, you can't have something like that for a snack. And um, so I began following her Instagram and I was like, wow, like, she is really able to eat everything in moderation and enjoy her life and listen to her body and intuitively eat. And I was like, this sounds like an awesome thing, you know, like I want to do this. And so I just started doing it one day and just started eating when I was hungry and I would stop when I was full. And if I had a craving for something, I would actually listen to that craving. And it was insane how much it helped me not binge you know because my body was actually satisfied that there was no need for me to binge if that made sense because I was giving it what it wanted so um that's kind of what, how I first started to learn about it um and I kind of just did did my own thing and and went for it and it's worked out really well I mean I've been doing it the past three and a half years so um it's been awesome I'm so glad to be talking to you because I don't have any people in my immediate life or any friends that intuitively eat. I'm like the only Mm -hmm. one. And trust me, I've tried to Mm -hmm. convince, but it's just hard when people don't want to do it themselves. Um, And it's the best thing ever. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's not a thing you can't let yourself eat. You're never feeling bloaty and like disgustingly full. You're never depriving yourself. However, I would say, and I'm curious if this is the same for you, because I used to be a binger restrictor and now I intuitively eat, if mm-hmm. someone were to ever say, Victoria, you can't have carbs or you can't have this, mm-hmm. bam, I think I will be right back to how I used to be. So I need to have all options on the table. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely think, you know, with me, I, you know, I really respect, um, my friends in my life and everything, they have different eating habits than I do. And, um, that doesn't necessarily like, none of them are unhealthy. None of them have eating disorders, but there are, they are more conscious of things like that. And, you know, for me, I am kind of, I always joke around, I'm kind of like the mom of the group. And I'm always like, Oh, like, listen to your body, you know, like, (laughs) or if somebody's like, Oh, should I get Dairy Queen tonight? I'm like, Oh yeah, you should get Dairy Queen tonight. Like I'll go with you, you know? And so I think that in kind of, my friend group in college and things like that. I just try to be as supportive as possible with them and they're as supportive as possible with me. And also they're really great because they know everything that I've been through and they know that there are certain things that, you know, can be semi triggering to me, you know? And so they're super conscious of that, which is like so amazing and they're incredible friends and everything. But that's another thing. Like if I ever am in a group of people who are talking about negative body image or, you know, talking about this juice cleanse they're about to go on. I either just remove myself from the situation or I will just speak up and ask them to stop talking about it. Um, Just because I think that there's so much more to somebody's identity than doing a juice cleanse. So I don't really think we should waste our time talking about those things. So if I am in a group where I actually do want to like stay and chat about important things in life, I'll just say like, Hey, why don't we pick a different subject? You know, like, so yeah. I love that. It's important to stick up for those, for what you believe in also for yourself. And you never know who might need to to learn and kind of get that pushback to realize like what's on the other side. Mm -hmm. But I definitely have people close to my life who are on very organized eating regimens. Once again, like you said, nothing unhealthy, Mm -hmm. but I just couldn't, it's just, everyone is different. You know, I don't think intuitive eating is for every single human being, but at least in recovery, I totally agree with you that it's been that happy medium that I need to, to not relapse. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think that even, um, like with my roommates and things like that, like they will be like more conscious about like, oh, how many carbs did I eat today or things like that, but not in the sense of tracking anything, just being like, oh, I 
you know, I had a sandwich for lunch, so maybe I shouldn't have pasta tonight or something like that. And for me, like that's not necessarily triggers like, oh, that's not, you know, healthy or anything. It's just more like that's just how they fuel their body and it works for them. And for me, I just eat whatever I want, you know, and, you know, we all live happily together. So (laughs) it works well, you know, and just like you were saying, it's, it's nothing restrictive at all in the sense of like, it could be a serious harm at all. Like they, they eat plenty, you know? Um, but for me, I just don't really place any worth on like carbs or sugar or, you know what I'm saying? Like I just eat whatever I want. I'm not like, Oh, I've had that today or I've had that, you know what I'm saying? So I I know exactly what you're saying, girl. (laughs) So when did this advocacy work start on TikTok, especially because you went from absolutely not a single soul can know about this to recovering to then now being someone that thousands of people look to and you come on exactly this podcast and you say, Victoria, you can ask me anything. I'm such an open book. How did you flip that script? Yeah, I definitely think when I started recovery, it gave me so much more confidence in myself and it gave me so much more ability to just feel empowered in my being, you know, and um, my freshman year of college, I actually started like a YouTube channel. And I was like, Oh, I'm gonna talk about body positivity and things like that. And I kind of just let it, you know, I'll put it on the back burner because I was so busy with school and I was also part of a sorority and different clubs and I had a job. And so one thing led to another and I just didn't really put a lot of effort into it, made a couple videos and then kind of called it good. But all of my friends knew that that was a topic, you know, I had always talked about it on Instagram and I was always super vocal about whenever I would have like a milestone in my recovery, I would post about it on Instagram or like if I had a year of recovery would always, you know, so all of my friends knew that I was passionate about it. And then my junior year of college, I started like this little blog and I just wrote about different topics in my life. One of those things being body positivity and eating disorder recovery. But again, eventually pushed it on the back burner because I was like, you know, let all these other things pile up. And finally, when TikTok came up my senior year of college, I initially joined it just to make really fun and silly, trendy, you know, videos with my friends and just have a good time. And then in February, um, it was, I was going to my sorority formal dance and I was like, I'm going to make a TikTok because it marked the three and a half years of me being in recovery from both of my eating disorders. And so I posted this video of me dancing in my dress to the Dougie. And I just, you know, commented, I was like, today marks three and a half years. And it went viral. And I was like, wow, you know, this is my first video to go viral. And it's about so much of what my identity is, you know, and so much of what I believe in. And I was like, you know, I think that this is really missing on TikTok. So I just started making videos about it. And I just started going for it. And um, slowly it started doing, you know, getting more traction. And then I started posting what I eat in a days in recovery. And that's when it really took off is people loved seeing intuitive eating on TikTok for once in their life, you know, and not seeing these restrictive, you know, counting every single calorie, counting every single macro, you know, how to lose X amount of pounds in X amount of days, you know, and it was the first time that, you know, I was like, wow, people really want to hear this. And so I just kept making it. And ever since then, it kind of just has blown up very fast. And I feel so incredibly grateful, but it, it has definitely happened in a, in a short amount of time. So, um, just kind of trying to take everything in, you know, and help as many people as I can. So. Exactly. And you're so right. I mean, it just, it blows up. And now all of a sudden you've got this huge platform that you probably were not totally expecting. Cause you said you joined the app for fun. How has it inspired you or maybe if it's even caused you a little bit of fear with, with just all the people watching and listening or mm-hmm. what has it been like to kind of overnight, I mean, become an influencer because on TikTok, like you are yeah. one of the top names when it comes to this body positivity movement and it happens so fast and it just goes from, you know, maybe I want to do this stuff and then bam, you know, here you are. What's it been yeah. like? I I just like every, you know, I feel so incredibly thankful for, you know, everyone who does follow me because it just, I can't even put it into words how much it means 
for somebody to believe in my message, you know, and to believe in, you know, understanding that every single person is wonderfully made and that every single person is uniquely made, you know, and that balance is key when it comes to food and things like that. And specifically, you know, what really, what really like means the world to me is when people will comment on my videos and be like, you know, I told my mom about you, or I told my therapist about you or my nutritionist. And for me, those mean the most because I feel like when you actually tell somebody about, you know, tell somebody in your personal life about someone that you follow, it really does then become a part of your life. You know, I know with my favorite influencers, I talk about them with my family and, you know, my family knows that I enjoy following these people and that I resonate with these people. And so that means the world to me because it actually means that people care about me in real life. You know, it's not just this person you're seeing on a screen. Um, and I also think that being able to see people comment and say, you know, today I ate today because of you. I mean, that is just, there's, you can't even explain what that means to someone, you know, because just when you have gone through eating disorders, it's so crippling to, you know, with food sometimes, you know, it's such a crippling mindset and being able to relieve someone of that it means the world you know so I I love the platform that I've been given I love the people who choose to follow me I think that they're incredible and I also talk a lot about like positivity on my account and you know having a positive mindset and I think that along with recovery and along with um, listening to your body you know having a positive mindset about life makes everything better you know so being kind I, to I truly feel incredibly lucky. Yeah, exactly. Be be kind to yourself. Give yourself grace, you know, be confident in who you are. And yeah. How wild is it that you were at a pretty dark place and your cousin sent you an account that changed your life. And now there is probably a girl as we speak getting a message of your account from their cousin who is life's going to be different because of your videos. I mean, I have chills. Like that is so full circle. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, I've never really thought about that, but wow, that's crazy. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. And then in but... a few years, she'll be on a podcast. Like, well, my cousin sent me at Brittany <laughs> Lancaster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There you go. There you go. But yeah, it's, it's been incredible. So that's great. I'm I'm so happy that you love all of that stuff because it can be overwhelming being online, but um, it's yeah. also such a, an honor to have people who want to hear what you have to say. Mm-hmm. You talked about your friends, and I love that your roommates are kind of different than you. Um, and it sounds like you guys are so close. I love the videos of all you guys dancing together. It's so fun. <laughs> um, and then in the beginning of our our conversation, you said, you know, when people talk to you about it you, you made up excuses. You said, no, you denied, denied, denied. What would your advice be now to someone who wants to talk to their friend about it on how to maybe break through a little bit more? Is it possible to say something or, or something else to, to get them to feel comfortable with you? What are your thoughts kind of being on the other side now? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's an incredible question because it's, extremely accurate you know I feel a lot of the time I think that everyone's different and everyone's ability to get through to someone is totally different and I know within my own being there was nothing anyone could say to change what I was going to do you know I was very very headstrong in a negative way and I was so set on this ideal that I wanted to achieve that I was just like I you know there wasn't anything that somebody could say to change what I was going to do. But I also think the only thing that did really, really, really impact me was a doctor one time when I went in for a physical and I hadn't had my menstrual cycle in nine months and I was having all of these health problems, you know, like I was talking about earlier, you know, hormone imbalances, vitamin deficiencies, hair falling out, all these different things. My doctor told me, you know, there is a chance that you are going to have a very difficult time trying to get pregnant later on in life. And that just like stopped me in my tracks. Like I was like, what? I was like, you're, you're kidding. Because my entire life, that's, that's been my, besides having a successful career, there's nothing more I want in my life than being a mom one day and Mm -hmm. having a family and somebody telling, and especially a professional telling me that this was a possibility that that was crippling to me, you know? And so I think that when you're trying to help someone maybe 
get on a better path or start recovery, really make sure that you know that person and know, you know, what is going to really stop them in their tracks and be like, wow, maybe I shouldn't keep doing this. And it wasn't even a close friend for me. It was a doctor, you know, saying like you, you could have trouble having kids later on in life. But I think that that would be my biggest advice is truly know the person before you talk to them about these things and know what they really want in life and how this disorder could possibly hinder that. And I think that that would possibly get through to them because that's what eventually ended up getting through to me. So I totally relate to that. I mean, like I will have a kid tomorrow, like if I could, you know, yeah. but obviously it's like, I should probably wait, but yeah. like I, I, and I've always had that, you know, that's something I've always wanted as well. So I could imagine that being like, whoa, like then give, mm -hmm. I'll do it because I need to have this, I need to have baby one day, yeah. a, a, little yeah, mini, yeah. a little mini Brit. Um, yeah. One of the questions, <laughs> I also wanted to know what you do on your bad days. Let's say you wake up and you feel bloated or the jeans don't fit or you read a negative comment. How do you, how do you handle those days? Yeah. Yeah. I think that that's a great, yeah. I, you know, honestly with negative days, if I wake up and I'm really not feeling the greatest, I immediately give myself my three positive affirmations. Like I immediately make myself do it because I know that it will put me at least in a better mindset or just, you know, remember that in the grand, grand scheme of things, you know, I'm going to wake up feeling much better tomorrow. So I always, with my positive affirmations, my, the first thing I always say is something that I like about myself. The second thing that I always say is something that I'm thankful for or grateful for. And then the third thing I say is something that I'm looking forward to. And I say them every morning. And if I'm ever feeling down, I always will go in the mirror, you know, go to my bathroom, go to my room, say them straight, you know, look at myself in the eye in the mirror and say them. And they truly do help. They help me a lot. Um, I also, if I'm having a bad day, my favorite beverage besides, no, actually I like it much better than water is coffee. So, um, if I'm ever having a bad day, I'll take myself out for a cup of coffee, go get an iced latte, go get a latte, go for a walk with a friend. Um, I think I've really learned the one thing that I can't do when I'm having a bad day is just sit there. If that makes sense, you know, like if I just sit there and kind of sulk in my feelings, that's when it can lead into a couple days of feeling bad, you know, or things like that. And um, so that's why I always, you know, call up a girlfriend and go get a cup of coffee or I'll call my mom or, you know, things like that, you know, stuff that just remind myself of how loved I am, you know, with my loved ones or with the people that I really care about in my life. And I notice that that really, really helps me. So. I love those three affirmations just right away. Bam, bam, bam. I'm going to answer these questions. And also sometimes when you, like you said, shock the system and go do something, you have a really kind interaction with the barista or you see a puppy on the walk to coffee and it can help kind of redirect the focus to everything I hate about myself this morning. Totally. And I think that almost when you, when you get out of the house or when you go do something, you remember that this inner feeling you're having of yourself is so minuscule to the, to life, you know, and to like actually having a wonderful day, you know, your body is, you know, so minuscule to the ability to have a positive and productive day. You know what I'm saying? And so when I go out, I'm like, oh my God, life is so beautiful. Life is so wonderful. You know, even if I'm having a down day and they don't have them very often anymore because I have been in recovery for so long, but um, whenever they do happen, that's always my, that's always my go-to. So. I love that. I love that. And then finally, I just want to chat with you about the toxicity on TikTok as well as social media. It can be hard to avoid. You know, it can be triggering. It can be not helpful. Um, what have you done to kind of curate a feed that is positive for you and it helps you? Because so many people just kind of watch these videos, follow these influencers and let, the, let it pollute their minds and don't take the action of, you know what, I'm going to unfollow. I'm going to mark not interested. How do you handle all that toxic stuff online yeah I so first thing first I just only follow people that I really believe in and that I really support their message um you know I only follow I think like 
38 people on TikTok, like a very so small honored. number of people. <laughs> no, and and half of those people are like my are like my best friends who of course I'm gonna follow them, you know. But on TikTok, because it is so toxic, I feel like I love I have like a love-hate relationship with TikTok, if that makes sense. Like I'm so incredibly grateful for it because of the opportunity that it has given me. But I also think that there's a lot of negativity on TikTok. And a lot, like we're talking about toxic, um, toxic behaviors and things like that. And um, so yeah, so that's the first thing I always say, you know, follow who like people that you truly, truly believe in and you believe in their message and their um journey and things like that. I also think that it's super important on TikTok or any social media to take everything that somebody sees with a grain of salt because, you know, like I said, the max that you can make on a TikTok is a 60 second video. So it's like, how much can you really see someone's life in a 60 second video? Um, and also I think personally on my feed, what's really, how I'm really trying to tackle this, you know, toxic kind of environment is to just not give up. You know, I don't stop posting. I'm going to keep posting my what I eat in a days every day. And I don't really, I don't care if somebody says that I eat too many carbs, you know, if somebody comments that, or, you know, some people I've seen comments where it's like, wow, this girl eats too much. And I think that the kind of best way to handle those comments is to just not laugh them off, but just be like, just normalize it almost and be like, yeah, I do eat a lot. Like I like food. I eat a lot. You know, it is what it is. And um, so I've definitely been doing that. And also even with uh, bikini videos, I've had many bikini videos that I've posted on TikTok removed because I, I don't really know why, but um, I don't stop it. You know, like I, it, just because a video gets deleted of me in a bikini, I still know that I have a bikini body just like everybody else does. You know, every single person on this planet has a bikini body. And so for me, I just don't give up. You know, I just keep posting. Like even today, one of my, just today, one of my bikini videos got deleted, but it's not going to stop me from posting one tomorrow, you know? I, so. I can't believe you're doing that. You have such a great following. You're so positive. It's like, you think it's wild. It's, it's unreal, but we need to yeah. change that. That's why you, you got to keep posting, keep uploading. Um, cause it's not okay at all. Have you ever felt, have you felt any pressure? Usually when you get a following, it comes with like, I got to post today or I got to get, I got to get views. Has yeah, that kicked in at all or yeah, is it still in this yeah. phase? Yeah, I definitely think, you know, that it definitely, you feel this pressure to, I guess, not necessarily post, but just make sure that you're helping people with your content. You know what I'm saying? I, I feel a lot of pressure to help people. And also, you know, a lot of people will ask me really, really in-depth questions about nutrition or things like that. And I'm an advertising major and a business administration minor. So I, I am not a professional. And I, I always tell people that when they do ask very specific questions about things like that, just because you know, I always say I'm just sharing my personal journey and what's helped me recover and, you know, spreading body positivity, but I am in no way, shape or form a professional, you know, nutritionist or a registered dietitian or anything like that. And so I think that that's where I kind of feel the most pressure is, you know, I am, I'm not a professional. I'm just sharing my personal journey, my personal story. But I think that people do respect that, like definitely. But I also feel like sometimes I have to let people down with certain things because I can't give them professional advice, you know, and right. I don't want to because I don't want to give them wrong advice and, and have it be incorrect and harm their body in some way. You know, that's not... I would never want that. So right, you're, and I'm sure, I, and it happens to me as well. You get like paragraph about someone's eating disorder or something like that, and, mm -hmm. and you're like, I have been there, and I feel for you, but I, I can't advise you on this. But it's still so powerful to share your experience. I don't think you need to have like, like you know, be a nutritionist to share your experience. Um, so, but it, but I'm glad to hear that your your pressure is such a positive pressure. Like you, you still feel like the pressure is in helping people, not like anything superficial about the account, which is great. Yeah. And then it, it just shows yeah. how genuine your content is. The focus is so pure. Everyone says you're so pure. Yeah. And I love that word for you. You're, you're like, <laughs> you are an angel. <laughs> Thank you. That's so sweet. I, you know, like that also, I think that there's a lot of creators on the app that make content simply to go viral and simply to try and just catch people's eye. And I truly don't care about that at all. You know, I want to treat people 
I want to teach people how to treat people with kindness, you know, and I think that our world needs a lot more kindness in this world. And I'm so glad that people can see my true being on my account and understand that, yes, I am actually this kind, like I'm not putting on this facade, you know what I'm saying? Like I just genuinely want to try and help people as much as I can. And even like I was watching your TED talk earlier today and kind of how you were in your TED talk, you talked about um, how a lot of people negatively look upon, you know, therapy or going to see a therapist or things like that. And I feel like that's very similar with eating disorder recovery and kind of eating disorders in general is I always tell people, you know, get professional help, go see a nutritionist, go to a therapist, go to treatment. And the immediate response is a lot of people really look down on that because they're like, oh, I, I'm not, I'm not that sick that I need to get professional help because they have this negative stigmatism about it. When in reality, getting professional help was what saved my life. You know, I would still be probably in my eating disorder if I didn't seek professional help for my disorders, you know? I agree. So. And the label, I think even for me, like hearing binge eating disorder come out of a professional's mouth, staring into my eyes, I felt like I'd lost something. I felt like it's like mm -hmm. the scarlet A in freaking what's that book called? Um, EZA. Yeah. Oh, EZA. That's the movie. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's yeah. how I know it too. I'm literally thinking of Emma Stone. Uh, what is that movie? The Scarlet yeah. and Nathaniel Hawthorne. The that's the book. The Scarlet Letter. Yes. The Scarlet, oh, The Scarlet, Scarlet Letter. We're literally saying <laughs> it. Um, yeah, exactly. It feels like such a hard label. Like you've lost, you, you couldn't do it yourself with food, but it's not. It's, it happens to mm -hmm. so many people it doesn't mean you're less than. You still can be an amazing, incredible human. It's not a loss. So I could not agree more with that point you just made. Yeah. Yeah. No, I definitely think that, you know, whatever you need to do for your own recovery is what people should do. And I also think that, you know, a lot of people are like, how can you have, how could you have had anorexia and then had binge eating disorder? You know, like, how can you go from one extreme to the other? And um, I think those are the most I, easy two to connect the dots between. Yeah, like, yeah, I know. Must, I know. That's it's, like really they don't understand what it is. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And so I just think that you know any eating disorder is a, is an eating disorder. You know what I'm saying? And it shouldn't be taken one shouldn't be taken more seriously than the other. And you know if you do need help for it, then I really you know encourage people to get that help and to seek that help. You know because that's ultimately what's going to give you long-term recovery results, you know, so. Yeah. And there's also the last thing I want to say, just because you're bringing up a great point and I want to add to it is disordered eating is, is a thing and it happens to 80% of women. So I find people and the people probably listening right now, like, well, I have issues with food and I resonated to what they were saying, but I don't think I have an eating disorder. Like they don't want to cross the yeah, threshold. Totally. But there is such a gray totally. area of disordered eaters who, if you resonate yeah, with anything yeah. on this podcast, you probably... I don't want to diagnose you, but you know, disordered eating is very common. So there's also all yeah, that gray area. That's not just like the hierarchy of the label. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, totally. And I think that even with, you know, disordered eating, some people will try different fad diets or they will overanalyze food. You know, they'll be like, Oh, you know, analyze, um, nutrition facts or analyze, um, you know, what ingredients are in a food and things like that. And so I think that sometimes when you're just super, super, I guess, picky or very like observant about what you're eating, sometimes that's not seen as a full on eating disorder, but rather just like, Oh, disordered eating. I only eat certain, you know what I'm saying? I have certain restrictions on food and things like that. And, but you know, disordered eating is still should be taken just as seriously, you know, because disordered eating can easily lead into an eating disorder. And I think that if you are able to tackle your disordered eating and work through that at an early stage, you can really prevent your body from a lot of, you know, negative things that you could put it through with an eating disorder. So I completely yeah. agree. Thank you so much for all of your honesty today and just being so open. I really Thank appreciate you. it. And it's been so great getting to know you because like we said, like there's so much more I wanted to learn about you. And um, I was just so excited to talk to you today. So yeah. thanks for taking the time, Brittany. Yeah, no, I, of course. And I was so excited to talk to you too. Like I literally kept, you can ask my roommates. I kept talking about it. I was like, I'm so excited. Like, just because I think it's so incredible what you've done in advocating for athletes, because I think that athletes are just looked at almost like untouchable. You know what I'm saying? They're seen as this thing that, you know, nobody could, nobody could 
hurt an athlete. You know, they, they live the life, you know, they get to travel all these places and, you know, they are playing a D1 sport and all these things. And it's I just think it's glamorized. incredible that you're, yes, totally. It's very, very glamorized. And, um, I just, I give you props for everything that you've done and you're definitely changing lives with, you know, the message that you're presenting and everything that you're doing within, you know, mental health and, body positivity and you know intuitive eating and all that Aww, stuff so thank you it kudos means, to it you <laughs> so much coming from you and I will sleep well at night knowing I am blessed to be one of your 33 following <laughs> ah, yes no I love it um, I love your content thank you you are so sweet well thank you so much I had the best time talking with you I just love Brittany. She truly is so pure, so sweet. Make sure you guys are following her on social media so that you can support her and stay in touch with her if you liked her message. Her Instagram is at Brittany Lancaster. She spells her name B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I and then Lancaster. And also make sure you follow her on TikTok as well. She really puts out such amazing uplifting content. So go follow her. If you guys also enjoyed this episode and this podcast, make sure you rate, review, and subscribe wherever you get your podcast episodes. I would be so grateful. I would really appreciate it. And I just love the fact that you are loving it, hopefully. So thank you so much. I will see you guys back here on the podcast next Wednesday. And I hope you have an awesome rest of your day.